Welcome to This Is Peace, the podcast of Peace Baptist Church located in Decatur, Georgia. On This Is Peace, we're sharing all things peace, sermons, devotions, inspiration, and conversations at the intersection of faith and culture. At Peace Baptist Church, our mission is to make disciples and meet needs. Our number one goal is to help you seek, serve, and share God. Let's jump into today's episode. So I'm going to attempt to, amen, take us, amen, into um, a text, amen, that I think is going to help us to understand how we ought to rightly divide the Word of God and not become, um, um, uh, not isolate people, if you would, that God is trying to embrace and things that God is trying to do in the hearts of men and women by taking this Bible and beating folk over or head over. The Bible is not a hammer that you beat. You notice that hammer has a hook on the end. It's also a place to pull up. It's a place to heal, not to kill. And many people are using the hammer of the Word of God to destroy and to distract. And certainly we need, we need order, yes. Certainly we need a man to confront wrong, absolutely, amen. But even when we do that, we do it with a spirit of humility. We do it with a spirit of reconciliation to God and to each other. We do it, amen, in a way, amen, that Jesus would do it himself. Let's look at uh, a text today. We're going to look at Mark. Open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 2, and we're going to look at Mark, chapter 3, and then we're going to look at Matthew 12. All of them are the same text or same season or same day of Jesus, but we're going to look at starting in Mark 2, verse 23 through 28. Then it continues. Remember, the Bible didn't have chapters. Amen. We put those in so we could find it. And, and so it just continued. We're going to go to chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 6. Then I want to look at a parallel verse of some of this here by going to Matthew 12, 9 through 14. And the other parallel voice, vo, uh, verse of this chapter is so important that all three, three of the gospel writers wrote about it. It's so important to the foundation of our understanding of what God is up to that three of the gospel writers wrote it. Mark has it, Matthew talks about it, and so does Luke 6. So I encourage you to go to Luke 6 later. We won't read that today for time's sake, but you'll see the same story and a little bit more colors of the story. Each author focuses on something a little bit more different in the text. And so I'm going to try to pull out some of those variances. Now, I'm not quite sure I'm going to finish this today. So Wednesday night Bible study, I will continue to talk through this. Amen. And I think you're going to be really blessed as you get into this. I've entitled the message today, Say Yes and Be Used to Help Not Hurt. So because we're in a process in this series called Say Yes. To say yes, we're trying to get you to do the work God's called you to do. We're trying to get you to, to be the people of God, to use the gifts that God has given you to be able to bring a, make a difference in the world and other people's lives, to be involved in ministry and be involved in serving others. Amen. But when you do it, you don't do it to hurt, you do it to help. So, so, so the, the, the part of this message that is related to the Say Yes series is I'm trying to get you to not be one who uses the hard end of the hammer, I want you to use the claw part where you can help people, uproot people where they're, where they're stuck, where they're wrong, where they're not what they need to be, amen, but do it in a way of gentleness and humility. So, so that's the part of it. Then the, then the Juneteenth part of the message, you'll get it in the message. We'll be talking about how the Bible has been used to, um, to enslave people, 
to uh, marginalize individuals and things. We'll talk about that. That's the Juneteenth part of the message. The father part of the message is, as the pastor of the church, I am like the father of the church in a sense. So my job is to help you all to be better Christians. Come on, amen. So, so it, it is for you to be able to be in order, amen, and not to be clones of me or clones of your father, but for you to be thinking people. Any good father wants their children to be thinkers, amen. People who don't just do just because somebody said it. No, you do like the Bereans in the scriptures. You go and study to see if what your dad or some boss or some person told you something, amen, you go and make sure, is that, is that right? Is that line up? That's my job as, as, if you would, father, if you would, of this house. And so I'm going to do that today because my job is to make sure you stay in line and you stay in order with God, that you don't just go off into foolishness, if, if you would. But you rightly divide the word of God, the word of truth. And so I want to help us to do that today as father. So th that's, the, that's the three movements of my message today that I want to do today so I can stay in line with our series. Say yes and be used to help not hurt. Don't want you to hurt people. want you to help people. Because we serve a Jesus who loves folk, who gave his own life. And what we've got to do is be willing to do the same thing ourselves. Here's what it says in Mark 2, 23 through 28, and then Mark 3, 1 through 6. Look at this. On one, um, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. So it's the Sabbath, and they're working. Hold on to that. Say that. Y'all got that? They're working. The Pharisees, there's always Pharisees messing with us. The Pharisees said to him, because they were following behind them, trying to catch them, looking for, come on, amen, something. And they saw them, amen, do what? Picking grain on the Sabbath. And here's what they do. Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus, he answered. Jesus did what? He is the Jesus. He answered. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus was hungry, he's saying, on the, on the, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the temple. They were, they were, they saw all the other things were happening, trying to kill him, amen, and all kinds of things went on. So he was hungry. He got to the temple. And the, the bread on the table was only for the priest to eat, amen? It's only for God, and then after they do their ceremony, then they can eat the second portion of that bread, amen, to the priest. But they were the only ones who should be able to eat it, and David ate it. Not only him, his companions ate it. That was un... You did not do that. That's in the holy place. It's in the temple. And Jesus said, have you not read the Bible in 1 Samuel 21? Here's what it says. Verse 27, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let's keep going, because remember, it's not chapters back then. He, he, he continues another time, and then Matthew and Luke would tell us it was the same day that he went from that discussion into the temple on the Sabbath. I know it says at another time, but actually, if you read, we'll read it in a moment, in Matthew 12, 9, it'll tell you he went immediately from there into the temple. Here's what it says. Another time, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they, they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Is he going to work on the Sabbath? 
Jesus said to the man with the swiveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful, watch that word lawful, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. They had nothing to say. Mm, Oh, Lord. He looked around at them in anger. He's mad. I want you to see the anger of Jesus. He looked at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He's upset with their attitude, the way they in which in which they live, and how they how they a man respond to God's truth and God's word. He said to the man, "Stretch out your hand." He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to do what? To plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. He heals; they want to kill. Oh Lord. Chapter 12, verse 9 through 14. Now, you can go up uh, all the way to the first part of Matthew 12, 1 and read what we just read, but let's, we go, we're kind of going in the middle of the story. But notice it says, going on from that place, that was the place when they were picking grain, all right? He went into their synagogue, right? And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, the Pharisees said, is it lawful to heal? I mean, uh, Jesus asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, I mean, they asked that. He said to them, if any of you have a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable in a, is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Father, we pray you bless your word today. Let it not return again void, but accomplish your divine purpose. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You may take your seats. Say yes and be used to help not hurt. Now, let me say, we can disagree on many things, but not the essential things. That Jesus is Lord, that his sacrifice is sufficient, that there is nothing we can do, amen, to earn our right to heaven. We can disagree on many things that are non-Savitic, meaning things that are not about our salvation, amen, but we cannot argue the fact that he's coming back. Somebody say he's coming back. That we must tell the world about a savior and, 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 and help a man to make sure that his glory is seen throughout the earth. I can go on and on about those very big things, because I'm, I'm a Baptist and I believe in, amen, I believe in the Bible, I believe in inerrancy, uh, the authenticity of the Bible. It is authoritative, it is, it is, it is pure in its original Greek language. Come on, amen. Now, I, I don't, I, our interpretation of it, some of the translations they may, may take some liberties, but the original language in which the Holy Spirit gave the word to the authors of the Bible, amen, spoke through Paul, through Peter, through Moses, amen, it was inspired in the original language, Hebrew and Greek, amen, which you'll see in a moment, I'll talk to you about that, but I, and I believe it, I believe the Bible to and through, amen, I believe it. I mean, I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. And I don't believe we need to add nothing to it, and you sure enough can't take nothing from it. Somebody ought to say amen. If you can't say amen to that, you need to go to Bible class. We have some people who believe that the Holy Spirit comes all at once. Some people believe that there is providence and free will. 
Uh, uh, some people believe that you get the Holy Spirit once you are, uh, when you get saved, which I believe that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our heart. Other people, like some of my Pentecostal friends, they believe that the Holy Spirit comes later, amen, and it's progressive. I don't believe it. I believe the Holy Spirit comes all at the same time when you give your life to Jesus Christ. The evidence of him may be progressive in us, amen, but he comes. We get all of the Godhead bodily. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen, comes and lives in us. I believe that. And there are other good Christians that we love and we fellowship with who have a different understanding of that. That's okay. Some people are Calvinists, amen, who, who have a strong view of providence, that, that there, is, there are things that are going to happen that you can't, you can't change it because it's going to happen. And some of us, like myself, believe in free will. I believe God created us in the image of himself, amen, um, and gave us the imago dei in Hebrew, gave us the ability to choose, to make choices. And I believe, amen, that we are people who make choices. God doesn't force us to do anything. We have to choose, amen. We have to choose. And so I got good friends who are Calvinists, and I got friends who are Arminian, like myself, and that's a, that's a theological perspective, amen, that I believe that we have to choose. We, have, we free will, amen, that, that God... God, God, God will save us if we ask him to save us. They're not, they're not people who are damned to hell regardless of what they do, and they're not people who are going to heaven just because God said it. No, they have to confess Jesus with their mouth and believe in their heart. Come on, y'all don't hear me today. I, 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 we can go on. We, we can disagree about a lot of stuff, amen? How, how we, we can disagree about whether or not you put sugar on your grits or not. Like y'all do. And I'll still love you. But we don't need to divide a man over those things that are non-salvitic, non-salvation. They have nothing to really do with our eternity, with where God is trying to take us. And, and many, unfortunately, that is what's happening today. We don't need to be ugly even when we disagree. We don't have to be a, a, those who demonize people who think differently than ourselves and, and put them down and beat them down. That's not what God wants us to do. When people disagree with you, just tell them, I, I appreciate your position, but this is how I see it. Can we talk? Can we have a conversation together about it? I want you to be a thinking people in this church. I don't want you just to believe what I believe or just because it's in some Baptist creed. I want you to believe it because you have studied to show yourself approved. Workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the words of truth. Because cults try to control your thinking and control what you think. Amen. And that's not what I've ever done in 30 years of pastoring this church. Because a dangerous Christian is one, however, I believe, who is a closed-minded person. And I have discovered that people who have closed minds usually are those who have big open mouths. That the people with the closed minds are usually the ones on the street corners or the people, amen, who are out there just going at it and just telling you, you're going to hell. Closed-minded folk tweet more than they pray. Closed-minded people point and judge rather than find ways to reconcile with people and gain understanding. Closed-minded people are quick to kick you off and, 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 and excommunicate you like was done this week in New Orleans. Amen. Because when we don't agree, amen, you just can't be with me. You can't fellowship with me. But I, I, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what... I see Jesus doing. He chose a group of 12 guys and every one of them different and distinctive because the body of Christ is never going to be some mono, mono group, if you would, and want that just thinking one way. 
We ought to be going the same way. We ought to be believing the same thing about the essentials, what are important. But many of us have different perspectives on many things. Some of y'all wear suits to church every Sunday. Some of y'all, amen, put on jeans. Some of y'all come in a white tee. But guess what? All of us coming. God wants us to seek his word, amen, and make sure that we are relying on the spirit of God that we just prayed about during the worship time. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Not just here, but welcome in our hearts. Welcome in our study. Welcome in our own personal lives. And we want to be those individuals who do that. Mark chapter 2, two 23 and, uh, and chapter 3, Jesus had issues with these folk we call the Pharisees. Amen. Throughout his ministry, they were just getting on their nerve. Come on, amen. They were the ones that had him crucified. It says to us in John 12, it was after Lazarus, they're saying now, after he healed the man, amen, with the withered hand, they want to kill him. And then when he brings Lazarus back from the dead, in John chapter 12, they said, we got to kill this man. Isn't it amazing? Every time he does good, every time he's healing, they don't celebrate it. They want to destroy. They don't, they don't glory in the, in the works of God, in salvation. So if a woman brought somebody to the Lord, they'd be more upset that the woman, a man, spoke and preached and somebody got saved than rejoicing over the fact that somebody who was on drugs got healed. Pharisee. Pharisee. They, they, were, they, they were the people who were envious of his popularity. They were, they were envious of him. They, they, they judged Jesus. They said that he ate with the wrong people. He hung out with the wrong crowd, sinners and publicans. That he, that he would hang out in Zacchaeus' house, a tax collector, and in front of everybody, say to everybody, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today because he wanted everybody to know, I'm going to hang out with him tonight. <laughs> That old Jesus was something else, y'all. They didn't like him because he didn't come from the right place. He came from Nazareth. And they said, is anything good come out of Nazareth? He, 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 he most, and I can go on, but mostly they were angry with him because he did some of his best work on the Sabbath. That he would not follow what their, probably, I would say their, maybe their number one or number two biggest law, biggest issue was the Sabbath. Them folk are crazy about the Sabbath. And he violated it all the time. He did. He violated their law all the time, and they hated him for it. He sometimes would rub it in their face. That's why when he, he, they, he they say his disciples violated it because they were picking grain, and Jesus immediately goes into the temple and, and says, I want to show you. You think that was something, let me show you. And heals a man on the Sabbath in their face, in their own Sanctuary. <laughs> they, they, they rule, amen, that, 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 the, 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 the Jews believe, I should say, that, um, that the Sabbath was perhaps one of their greatest laws they had to keep. And they would have many laws about it. Although the Bible doesn't have a whole bunch of laws about the Sabbath, it has a few, they added to them. They added to them. They, they started adding more, um, more, more requirements for how you're supposed to, amen, work or not work, I should say, how you're supposed to govern yourself on the Sabbath. And they put it in a book called the Tolment, which is not the, the Old Testament that we call the Old Testament now. Um, but but they, they would, they would, they would uh, write other things that you can't do this and you can't do that. 
um, and, 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 and it was so important. It was so important to them. In fact, when we go to Israel, I've been there four times. Every time we go, we're usually there over a Saturday, uh, and we won't be there this time on a Saturday. Amen. But, but, but when you go on a Saturday and you're there, you cannot even do nothing. It, the whole, the streets, are, you, you want to you wanna ride and go about 70 miles an hour, that's on, on Sabbath. On, on their Sabbath day in Israel, the streets are almost bare. I mean, it, it's some people that are driving around, but it's, it's not. In fact, if you live in a, and you sit in a hotel, you can't even go. You, when the, the, um, the, the, the elevator has got 17 floors. They have an elevator called the Shabbat elevator, the Shabbat, Shabbat elevator, and it, you have to ride it all the way up and all the way down at each floor. If you got to go on floor 16 or 17, you got to ride all the way up because they believe it's work to push the button. So that, that's how, that's even today, this is 2023, even today they have heavy, heavy rules because it is probably their most sacred law and Jesus was just in their face saying, ah, I'm going to show you. It's so important for us to understand that. They, 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 they believe that. They could, they could uh, um, understand a man. They could understand, they could not rather understand how he could not keep the Sabbath like they would. And he constantly did work on the Sabbath. He healed a woman in Luke 13 on the Sabbath. The pool of Bethesda, John 5, on the Sabbath. He, the blind boy in John 9, he, he heals, come on, amen, on the Sabbath. And we just read here in Mark 2 and 3, amen, and, and, and Matthew 12 and Luke 6, amen, where Jesus on the Sabbath in the synagogue heals the man with the withered hand. In Mark, Jews a man, uh, excuse, me, excuse me, in Mark, Jesus, I mean, I can't read my own writing. Oh, yeah, in, in, in Mark, the Jews are following, well, I should say the Pharisees are following Jesus, and they're trying to do what? To find fault in him. They're just looking and trying to pick out, okay, what are he going to do something? And they witness his disciples pick grain on the Sabbath, and they, they accuse them of violating the Sabbath. This is wrong, you know. In, in, in Numbers, there was a guy who, who picked up, uh, I wrote it over here, I didn't talk about it, but a guy in Numbers 15, a man picked up sticks on the Sabbath, and guess what? He was killed for it. This is serious, y'all. He just picked up some sticks on the Sabbath day, amen, in Numbers 15, and they killed him for it. So it's, it's disciples picking grain on the Sabbath, you're not, not supposed to do that. You know, God, you, you, you honor the Sabbath. God, even when he gave manna, manna fell six days. And on the sixth day, he, he gave them a double portion because he didn't want them to work on the Sabbath. That's how important the Sabbath was. And then Jesus doing stuff on the Sabbath. And his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. And they accuse him of violating it. So, so Jesus then goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath and heals a man with a withered hand. He does this in violation of the Sabbath. And he gets on their last nerve. He does this because uh, 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 he does this because Jesus is teaching them by his life and his practice how to live out the word of God. The living word is showing us how to live out the word. Amen. He is he is the living word, and he is trying to show them how to live out the word. The living word is trying to illuminate the written word, the logos, the Bible, the law, the Pentateuch, um, the, the Torah. Amen. By his life and practice. Now, if you ever want to know what you should do, follow Jesus. We say that anyway, right? I will follow Jesus. It's not just a song. It's a life that we ought to live. And so when we want to know how to live out this word, how did he operate? What did he do? Look at him. He shows us what is important and what's not important. Amen. He shows us that. 
how he treats women, watch that, how he embraces children and tell them, forbid them not to come to me because they had laws against kids around rabbis and other things and doing stuff and, and, and women couldn't own property and couldn't do certain things and couldn't testify in court. Their witness didn't matter. They couldn't, women could not testify in court and, 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 and at all because their word could not be believed. It was, it was unlawful for a woman to even testify in court. Yet Jesus, when he rose from the dead, waited on women to come to the tomb to testify to the men that he has risen. Oh, my brothers, don't get me started. Look at Jesus. Look how he treated foreigners. Look at how he took care of the poor. Look at how he dealt with race. Look at how those things. If you want to understand about how to live out this word, look at Jesus. Look at him. He exposes the problem of how they are uh, applying the word of God by challenging how they interpret it. He looked at what um, he looked at them as people whose, look, if, if you read the text, we read it earlier, I'm not going to go back to it. He says, he was angry with it because your hearts are so hard. He said, you hard-hearted, mean-spirited folk, mean-spirited people. He said, you got mean spirits, mean spirits. They say they, they, they love the Lord, but you can't stand people. Something wrong with you. They represent God, but you will not represent God, amen, before the people or the people before God correctly. They claim to see God, but you won't see how God works in lives of others. People who are prejudiced and judgmental are often people who can't see what God does in somebody else's life. And they can't find ways to rejoice in what God may be doing in someone else's life. And they become very pious and super spiritual, amen, rather than compassionate, amen. They like to kill rather than heal. They try to represent God, but they are not like Jesus, who showed love and compassion and, 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 and had a willingness to listen. Even when people were wrong, he corrected them, amen. Notice, the only people he was really rough with was the Pharisees. He called them whitewashed tombstones, full of dead man bones. And then he would have compassion to the person who was the lowest of sinners. You can have whatever belief or opinion that you have. I'm not trying to change your opinion, your belief, your perspective. You can have whatever you want. You should have, amen, whatever you believe. Amen. The people who did what they did last week in New Orleans Finest, they had their opinion. Amen. Amen. That's, that's fine. I understand that. But, but, but every time you express your opinion, you must do it with humility and love and compassion, not with anger and malice and hatred in your heart. Last week in New Orleans, I witnessed, amen, a denomination kick out churches that did not align with their complementarian view. Now, I'm an egalitarian, and let me tell you what that means. Complementarian means that women have a role that they have, they have things in the church they cannot do. They, they have a complementary role, meaning that they're supposed to not speak, teach, have power over men, and that's the complementarian belief system. And it can be supported by the Bible. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It can be supported by the Bible. I have a different view because I have a view also supported by the Bible, not culture, but by the context of the text. And I'm going to show you today, amen, that, amen, how, amen, the Word of God can be used both ways. And the issue you ought to be asking, who right? Always look at Jesus. Look at how he handled people. What did he do with those things that, amen, the Bible says, but I say Jesus would do. I show. 
I will show you. No, anyway, so, 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 so I had a problem. I didn't have a problem necessarily with, with the denomination having their opinion, having their theological construct. And fine, you believe what you want to believe. That, that wasn't a problem. The problem I had last week was when these churches were kicked out because there was one lady who was a pastor and she'd been the pastor of that church for 30 some years, 40 years, as long as I've been, she was been good church doing stuff in Kentucky, amen, doing work, ministry, supported, gave to the denomination, work, did stuff, and, and, and okay, you don't want her to be a part of it anymore, fine, you got a biblical reason, nope, okay, got it, understand, hey, hey man, but when you have to kick them out, don't cheer, you ought to have weeping, crying, some of us sat, Darren and myself, and, 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 and Alicia and Carl sat there in that, in, in that place, and we felt, it was just, it just felt so bad. Maybe you watched it on television, or you saw some of the news reports, but being in the room with 12,000 people, and not everybody was cheering, I'm going to say that, but it was, a, it was a good portion that, yes, we ought to be weak. Even if you believe that somebody doesn't need, you don't do it, you don't just, you, you ought to be having sorrow in your heart. There ought, to be, there ought to be brokenness and tears, not cheers. It's Pharisee. Pharisee. And when Saddleback Church, who does not have a woman as the head of their church, Rick Warren resigned, a man uh, retired, I know resigned, retired, a man last year after 40 plus years of serving Saddleback and being one of the greatest churches of the 20th and 21st century. I'm telling you, one of the greatest churches you've ever seen. I, I, I am a Rick Warren. I, I owe much of who I am as a believer and as a pastor to Rick Warren. And, 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 and Rick Warren, a man of them, he, he, or, he ordained a few ladies to be pastors in the church to serve in pastoral roles under his leadership. And the new pastor there, same thing. He's still the male head. So if you believe in male head, fine. But because there are other women who are pastors in the church serving in different capacities, one of them is a campus pastor, still under the male pastor, amen, uh, still kicked them out. And no celebration of the, of the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are off drugs because of Celebrate Recovery that started out of their church. The hundreds of thousands of people, amen, in the United States, the, he has something like his church, he has something like, oh, God, it's like 40,000 people every week in small groups in the area around his church, every week in classes. Not just there, millions around the world. He just left, and he's, in, he's over in, overseas right now speaking to 6,000 pastors, I believe, in India. And that, and that is almost every single week. He has the highest selling book outside the Bible ever of any book, religious or secular, ever, The Purpose Driven Life, so many cop more copies than any other book other than the Bible itself, and everybody was reading it. And he gave 90% of the proceeds of that book away and only lives on 10%, only kept 10% of it. And gave back every dollar the church ever gave him. After he got his, the money back, he said, here's the salary y'all paid me over these last 30 plus years. Here's all the money back. And then gave everything else away all over the world. Helping people in Africa and Asia and South America. Giving his whole life for it. And nobody celebrated that. Pharisee. No weeping, no crying, but cheering. He said, I believe 99.99999% of what this denomination believes. And he says, isn't that enough? And the people yelled out, no, you got to believe everything we believe. 
Let me find out where I'm at. And so they kick him out. Guess what's going to happen next? We're going next. And other churches like us. And so we're still praying about what we do. It has to be passed one more year. Next year, it has to be codified or ratified, I should say, next year as well. So it's going to go into effect next year. But we will see, amen, what God says. You can have righteous indignation. You can quote scripture. You can justify your belief. You can make rules and disfellowship people. But you cannot do it without love and compassion. You cannot do it with a stiff, hard heart. Don't tweet with a hard heart. Don't blog with a hard heart. And today as I preach, I don't have one. Because I love these people who we've been with for over 28 years. I love them. Some of my best friends are part of it. And so I don't say this with a hard heart. I am standing like Jesus today. At least I'm trying to. And trying to challenge us to have some compassion and broaden our thinking. Be thinking people. And know that good people of good conscience can see the same thing in a different way. So watch your language, watch your terminology, watch it all. Unfortunately, we have, amen, had leaders in politics in this country and in business at the highest offices that have allowed and given permission for people to have this, this kind of hatred that we see in our world today, and it bothers me. It, from the very highest levels of politics, you know, calling people names and just, and I'll pay your, if you beat them and hit them, I'll, I'll, pay, your, I'll pay your court fees. No wonder the church is where it is today. Because we're not following him as closely as we should. We're looking at others. And that's always going to be a recipe for disaster. They are upset because grain was picked by the disciples, and they are upset. But when Jesus goes in the synagogue and heals the man without, uh, with, with a withered hand, they ain't say nothing. They're talking about the disciples. They got much to say about the disciples picking grain, nothing to say about somebody being healed. I got a problem with that. That, that you can blog about, you can tweet about, they picking grain on the Sabbath, but when the man gets healed, nobody writes an article. Nobody celebrates. They're angry about picking grain, but they are, they are not rejoicing about a man being healed. They, they pick where they want to pick it. They pick where they want to pick it. Upset about one thing, but not another. Upset about abortion, and I am certainly against abortion, amen, but they have nothing to say about healthcare education to making sure that the baby who's born have healthcare when they're here and that the mama have healthcare. I'm all for protecting the unborn, but I am also for the born. I'm a whole life believer. People say I'm pro-life. I'm not pro-life. I'm whole life. From the womb to the tomb, make sure that the child can be educated in schools that will give him what and she what she needs, that they got a house and a roof over their head. My brothers and sisters, you can't just protest and pick it about what you, your little pet thing, you got to do the whole thing, you got to do it all. Upset about immigration, but had nothing to say about when, when children were put in cages and taken from their parents, and we still don't know where hundreds of those kids are 
those kids some years ago that were taken away from their parents, they still don't know where some of them kids are. And nobody out there talking about this. Nothing about food deserts. Neighborhoods that have no grocery store where healthy food can be given. Nothing about the criminal justice system. Amen. That, 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 that incarcerates people of color at a higher rate for lesser crimes, longer. Oh, my brothers and sisters, nothing about gun violence that's taking place with assault wipe rifles and all the crazy. Amen. It's something wrong about us picking and choosing what we want to pick it. They ignore their own sins. The other part of these guys, like when Jesus was writing on the ground, when the woman was calling adultery, he was writing on the ground. The Bible says, amen, they, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill the woman. Remember, they wanted to stone him because she was caught in adultery. Didn't, they didn't ask where the man was. Somebody ought to say, where the man at? She wanted there by herself. But they bring the woman out and they want to stone her. Jesus didn't say anything. He started writing on the ground. And we don't know what he wrote. I think he was writing their sins. John, you were so-and-so on this day. Tim, you were so-and-so. <laughs> and the Bible says, one by one, the people start leaving. I don't know what he was writing. But, he's, but, 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 but he, without sin, cast the first stone. He said, my brothers and sisters, amen, we pick it what we want to pick to pick it. They're upset about the disciples picking grain, but nothing about a man, the animal, the donkey that falls in the ditch. Notice Jesus in Matthew 12, remember how, G how look his masterful way. He says, y'all talking about upset that we picking grain because we're hungry on the Sabbath, amen, and, and so we can eat something as we're walking from place to place, amen, no martyr buses. And, and, and he says, he says, uh, uh, if your donkey fell in the ditch on the Sabbath, would you get him out? And they, 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 have, they have nothing to say about those things because Jesus knows, he knows, amen, that they are picking what they want to protest and what they want to picket. So, so he says, you okay, you okay with getting your animal out, but you don't want to help a human. <laughs> Jesus says, all y'all will unite, amen, and, and, and untie your donkey to get water on, on the Sabbath and pull them out of the ditch, but you, won't, you won't, but, but, but you want to charge me with violation of the Sabbath when, when I heal a human's hand. You allow exceptions for an animal, but won't allow it for a human. You know, there's some folk that love animals more than humans anyway. He lets them know that they are violation, they are violating the law too. Jesus, in a smooth way, is letting them know, y'all violate too. Don't be talking about the grass. That's why they, they dropped the subject. Because he put on there, you know, uh, uh, he, he messed them up. And you have some nerve, Jesus is saying, criticizing me when you do some of the same stuff. You're guilty too. And you got to own your own stuff. They got upset about sins that they are not dealing with themselves. Because, you know, that's what I found about Pharisaic people. They only mad about stuff they don't do. <laughs> what don't tempt them. Come on, amen. They all in somebody else's because they ain't got no problem with that. Jesus says, you can't clean up someone else's house till you sweep around your own front door. Sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. Come on, blind boys, Alabama, I think read that. How you point out the speck, he would say, in the Sermon on the Mount, in another's eye, you got to take care of the tree in yours. We must always be aware that we need grace and understanding and compassion ourselves because all of us 
are sinners and fall short. So even as I preach this message, I do it with fear and trembling. I've been asking everybody, pray for me, because I'm preaching something, and I got to make sure that I'm willing to live by myself. And I, and I try to. Jesus questioned not their, not their knowledge of the Scripture, their interpretation of the Scripture. They use the Bible in a dangerous way because they read it because it's in the Bible, and then, then they, then, then, but they don't go deep enough to find out the interpretation of it. How, does it. how do you live it out? And here in the United States, we become a nation of sound bites. We've got a dumbed-down nation that somebody just, one little phrase, one little word, we, 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 we don't need to be like that, my brothers and sisters. We need to be people who are thinking people. And when you come to this church, I want you to come with three things, a Bible, I want you to come with a dictionary because I'm going to give you some words that you got to look up, and you got to come with a mirror so you can look at yourself. A Bible, a dictionary, and a mirror. You need to ask yourself, and hopefully you are, why Jesus constantly violated the Sabbath, knowing that it would disturb the Pharisees? Why would he keep doing that? Why Pastor Barnett always got Pastor E up here when he knows what folk don't like? Pastor, and I say the name every week, Pastor E, come on. Why he say that when he know that people don't like that term attributed to a woman? He teaches us that we can be religious and ritualistic, but not in true relationship with him and not right towards others. They raise their voice loud on some issues, but they're silent on others. They will judge you and they will not deal with themselves. And my brothers and sisters, we cannot be like that. The Pharisees, amen, the, the Pharisees are saying, that they violated the Sabbath. Jesus says, he says to them, have you read 1 Samuel 21? Have you heard about David? He is speaking to the Pharisees who should know the Bible, so it's kind of an insult. We, we know the Bible. We studied that. He knows that they know it, but they don't understand it and have not interpreted it correctly. Let's deal with that. They read it. They can quote it, but they don't apply it right. They read it, but they're not applying it correctly, interpreting it as it is intended. Jesus shows us that in the hands of people with a hard heart and angry spirits, amen, they can use the Bible to divide, destroy, and demean. It can be a weapon of mass destruction. Some of the most dangerous words, amen, ever spoken were people who quoted the Bible. And they used this phrase, it's in the Bible. The Bible says. Some of the most dangerous words ever spoken was the Bible says. I'm a Bible says person too. <laughs> and we ought to be, all be Bible says people, but we got to make sure, are we interpreting it correctly? Are we seeing the fullness of it? People have let these words do more to divide than any other thing. And I heard last week, a lot of people said, the Bible, it's in the Bible, it's in 2 Timothy. I mean, it's in 1 Timothy 2. It's in, it's in 1 Corinthians 14. And it says, women be silent. It says she's not supposed, it's, it's there, it is true, but we're going to show you in a moment. There's another interpretation that well-meaning, inerrant, authoritative people who believe this Bible see it differently. Some of the worst things ever done to people have been supported by evil and misguided people, and I'm not calling the people last week evil, I'm just saying they're misguided, they're in the misguided side, in my view, but there are evil people that I want to talk to you about today, amen, to show you how people have used the Bible in evil ways to destroy. Here's Juneteenth today. 
That over in Texas, the people didn't know for a number of years, amen, that, 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 that Lincoln had freed the slaves. And they didn't know. And so we celebrate today, Ju uh, tomorrow, rather, Juneteenth, amen, to celebrate the fact, amen, that all of us free. Come on, somebody. But there were people who didn't want us to be free. And guess what they did? They enslaved our ancestors. They enslaved my grandma, great-grandmama, who I put on the screen at 111 years old, who was born in slavery in a log cabin. I just showed you the article. And she was born a slave because somebody said she didn't have a right to be a human. She was not a human. And even the Constitution of the United States, amen, had a ruling in it to say that we were three-fifths of a human being. So you couldn't count a whole slave because they're not whole human. And then they support all that by Colossians chapter 3, and by 1 Peter 2, by Philemon, the book of Philemon, and Ephesians 6, these little obscure little scriptures, amen, and then they, 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 they did that. That's why it was illegal to teach slaves to read. Because they knew that if they read, they read, amen, they would read the Bible, and they didn't want them to read the Bible in particular. Because if they read the Bible, they would see that the Bible had a whole lot to say. More than slaves obey your master. They would, they would identify with the Israelites, the Hebrews, who were in slavery, amen, against African people. Come on, amen. Let's be honest. Amen. We, we enslaved folk too. <laughs> oh, y'all forgot that, did you? But they would identify with the Hebrews, amen, and they would say, we need that same kind of freedom because we're serving the same God. My brothers and sisters, amen, people did that because the Bible says right now white supremacy groups, amen, are, 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 are what, the, what the government is today is saying, FBI and others are saying that the greatest terrorist threat to America right now are white supremacy groups, not Al-Qaeda, not, not, not ISIS, not those. It is white supremacy groups, and there are over 400 of them in this nation today, and they use the Bible. They use Genesis 9, the curse of Ham, to say black folk are cursed. Wrong interpretation of the scriptures. I, I'm not going to get into it because it'll, it'll take me away. They use the Bible to be able to do that. There are people, a man who say that couples, a man should not mix marry, a man of, of different races, and they use Numbers 12 as an example of that, mixed races. But did you know Moses married a black woman? Did y'all know Sephora was black? Oh, I, I, one day we need to do a thing and show you all the blacks in the Bible so, these, so people of other faiths won't mess y'all up and say, you reading the white man's, it ain't no white man's Bible. It's not. It is a Bible for all God's people of every hue and every color and every generation and all throughout it are peoples of the earth that God has used in the Bible in mighty ways. And, 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 and there are people who, who say that you should not be able to, to, to mix Mary. Amen. Or, or the races should not even mix at all, which is what apartheid in South Africa was all about. And they based it upon the Bible. They used Bible texts to do it. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's right. Interpret it correctly. Anti-Jewish um, people. And, and people who don't like Jews. Amen. They use Matthew 27, 22, where Jews yell, crucify him. And they say, the Jews killed Jesus, so we're going to kill y'all. They use 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 15, where Paul says Jews kill Christ. See that? Paul said it too. Amen. Kill them. They blame Jews for killing Christ. Here's what the Bible really says. All of us kill Jesus. 
He went on the cross not just for the Jews. He went on the cross for you, for me, for every one of us, for those who have been and will ever be. He died for all of us, for all humanity of all times. It was me who sent him to the cross. It was you. It was us. In John 8, Jesus, a man, uh, uh, he calls them the sons of, of Abraham liars, and they use that. See, Jesus said they were liars. Well, they were. At that time. But not every Jew forever and always. Some have developed a wrong and evil view that Jewish people should be hated and persecuted and destroyed. And some of our great, great leaders have been those who have opened up that. Like Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther in the 1500s. Who was the one who broke us from the Catholic Church up to the 1500s? Amen. Everybody was Catholic pretty much, right? The whole world was mostly Catholic. But Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, went into the Bible and found out the priesthood of every believer. He started reading the Bible for himself, interpreting it for himself, and says, Oh my God, we can protest the Catholic Church, which is where we get the word Protestant protesting the Catholic Church. Not that we don't believe Catholics love the Lord and are saved and will, some, many of them will be in heaven. We just believe that the way they interpret the scriptures is not the way the Bible is intended to be interpreted. And so Martin Luther protested, amen, the Catholic Church and started the Protestant Reformation, amen, where Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals, everybody came out of that whole movement, but yet he was a racist guy. He was racist. Can we just be honest about it? Here's what he said. Here's a guy who did really good, but also had a, who had some stuff in his heart. As Jesus says, a hard heart. And listen what he said about the Jews. Here's what he said. First, set, set fire to their synagogues or schools. This is, this is his quotes now. This is to be done in honor of our Lord and of Christendom, so that God might see that we are Christians. Second, I advise that their houses also be razed and destroyed. Third, I advise that all their prayer books and their atonement writings in which such idolatry, lies, cursing, and blasphemy are taught be taken from them. Fourth, I advise that their rabbis be forbidden to teach henceforth on the pain of loss of life and limb. Fifth, I, I advise that safe conduct on the highways be abolished completely for the Jews, for they have no business in the countryside. I, I can go on and on. Martin Luther, the reformer, who could not see freedom for others. My brothers and sisters, that's, and let me tell you who used Martin Luther's, a man, words. Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler would get up and he would be, Martin Luther says, and so in Germany, a man, they begin to kill Jews and six million died in some of y'all's lifetime in this room today. Because the Bible says subjugation of women as not equal, denial of them as being equal, a man, uh, denying them voting rights, of course, and they couldn't own property, as I already said earlier, testifying in court, amen. Uh, they could not do any of those things. The marriage, they were just, they were almost slaves in their marriage, could not instigate a divorce. It was all kind of things that happened. It was all rooted in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5 says not just the woman be subjected, but it also says husbands be subjected to your wife. It's a mutual subject. You can't just pick up one little text and tell a woman, you're supposed to be, because it tells a man to be subject to her too. It's mutual. You two become one flesh. 1 Corinthians 14 quotes a man um, that women should be silent. Amen. But I don't have time today to deal with this. Amen. But I want to show you, show you that in that text, amen, Paul, actually some of us, like myself, believe that Paul lifted up. Um, okay, yes. <laughs> My mouth is getting dry. Let me drink some water. They're telling me to drink some water. Mm. 
Thank y'all. Amen. Now, what was I saying? That Paul, Paul was saying, I forbid a woman to teach or usurp authority over a man is actually a quote from a letter that the Corinthians wrote Paul because he wrote 1 Corinthians as a response to a letter that they wrote them. And the reason why we know that that was a quote lifted up from another text is because at the end of that verse, there is this little, little mark, if you would, in the Greek language that says that the previous statement was a, a quote from something else. So that's why the very next verse, after he says that, Paul says, what? Did the word only come to you? See, he said, tell women to be silent and not usurp authority over, the, over, the, over men, right? Boom, boom. Or, or, and, and it says that, but then Paul, the very next verse says, what? Did the word only come to you? Are you the only ones in which can? Paul is now answering their question. And we take the question, and then we say it's a quote that ought to be. Here's another one, First, First Timothy chapter 2. Uh, show, says, says that, uh, that, 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 you know, it, it, it says a woman also shouldn't speak or be silent in the church. But really good, I, don't, I didn't bring it out here, but I have it on the screen. Can you put up there the key study Bible, the Greek key study? Before we had computers and we can go to Greek and Hebrew and do all this stuff, we had this particular Bible, very conservative, one of the most conservative documents that you're going to have out there, amen, that we had for years and years and years. It's the key study Bible. There it is right there. Go to the next slide, amen, and you're going to see in, in there, amen, go to the next slide if you would. And, and you can see, and I'll, I'll try to post this somewhere, but if you look down where I've already kind of circled, in the phrase, look what it says, in, in, in 1 Timothy 1.12, but I suffer not a woman to teach, should be understood as, but wife, I suffer not a wife to teach. The discussion continues drawing contrast between the Greek words for wife and for husband, and you keep on reading, the, Paul is talking about households not the household of faith, not the church. He's and good, well, me, the, the, we interpret the Greek original language wrong. He didn't say, let a woman be silent. He said, let a wife and make sure she respects her husband at home so that you don't come in public and then you just, you go on all, your husband is the head of your house. This was a male patriotic society. Amen, understand that, right? And they did not want the woman to be in a position to, be, to, to embarrass the husband. He don't know what he's talking about. Come on, rolling the neck. Come on, they were rolling the neck back then too. And Paul is saying, listen, he is saying, the way you fix society is not the church necessarily. Fix the home, get the home in order. And when you get the home in order, society will be in order. Because society's out of order because the house is out of order. And you get the house in order, the church will be in order. And if the church is in order, society will be in order. It's a whole lot more than that, and I, I, I wish I had hours to talk to you because we can go. But I just wanted to show you, amen, that. I want to show you another one, amen. Show them this. In the NIV, many of y'all use NIV, amen, Bible, amen, to, to preach from often. In the NIV, at the very note there in 1 Timothy 2 and 12, it actually says, it'll tell you in the note that that word woman should be interpreted wife in the NIV. Zondervan, one of the most conservative publishers you're ever going to find tells us that that word for woman ought to be wife. And yet, we use the Bible to destroy. Use it for treatment of immigrants, internment camps, treatment of children, polygamy. All could be supported by the Bible. The burning of women at the stake, treatment of genocide of Native Americans with manifest destiny that comes from the Bible. People believe, amen, they got to take the Indians' land and do all this stuff because the Bible says 
different diseases like AIDS or punishment for homosexuality in the world, and we support it by the Bible. You, you can't say that. You don't need to do that. All because the Bible says. And can I say this? Satan himself quotes the Bible. When he comes and tips Jesus, he uses the Bible. But Jesus, knowing the word, can apply the word because he is the living word. So be careful not to proof text and make the Bible say what it does not say. Take a broader view. I'm not going to have time to finish. So follow me on Wednesday because we'll continue this because I want to get to David and I want to get to what Jesus says about what, um, what Sabbath was made for. It wasn't, he said Sabbath was, the, the uh, Sabbath was not made for man. I mean, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. I want you to look at what he's saying, his argument to them in that particular text. And so we're going to spend some time in that on Wednesday night, if you would allow me to do that then. Because what I'm trying to do and what my goal was today, to get you to take a wider view. Show, show the picture real quick, if you would, on screen. Amen. Show the minister. See, what do you think you see when you look at this? What does this look like on the screen? Amen. This picture. Here, it'll come up in a second, amen? Uh, what does that look like? It looks like a planet arising, doesn't it? But you know what it really is? If you, if you look at it, if you broaden your view, show them the next one. Show them that. It's a pen. It's the top of a pen. You, it, it, it's not what you think it was. If you, if you step back and just look at it, go to the next one if you would. You go to the next one. We're going to go through these real quick. What does that look like? It looks like something growing out. Look, go, what is it? What really is it? it? It's really a, keep going. You can, you can, you can flip. It's an eyelid. Under a microscope. Go to the next one real quick, real quick. Look, 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 look. Here, what does that look like? Look like a piece of wood broken? Guess what it is? Look, look, at, look at what it is. Look, it's, it's a split ends from some of y'all's hair. Yeah, look, go to the next one. What, the last one, the last one here. What does that look like? Look like a map of an aerial view of, 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 as you're flying over a city. But guess what it really is? It really is tears. Microscopic view of tears coming out your eyes. Because if you take a broader look, of look if you step back and just look, you might see things a little differently. And many, many times we haven't done that. We haven't given each other grace. I've been a part of Southern Baptist for 28 years because I, I, I knew what they believed, but they said, you ain't got to believe all of it. You just have to believe the essential parts of it. And that's why we stayed with them. But if you're going to make it to where now this becomes a rule that we got to follow lockstep, 100% of everything? It's going to be very difficult for us to stay in this. Because I've been in it because I've been trying to deal with racial reconciliation. I've been at the forefront on local, national, and international ways of trying to bring reconciliation. Because my calling, I felt and still feel from God, is to bring the people together, black and white together, Indian, amen, and Asian together, bring us all together. And that's what I've been working on for 28 years. Because I thought that's, and I do still believe that's what they want too, but... There's a remnant, there's a remnant that wants to rise up and take us a different way. And if you don't believe like them, by God, I do want to say, don't impugn the whole, amen, Southern Baptist Convention, because it was only 12,000 people that were there. There are 40,000 Southern Baptists in the United States. If black churches in Southern Baptists were a denomination to ourselves, we would be the third largest denomination in the United States. That's how many black folk and Asians and Indians and others are in a part of it. We, it, it is, it's great because we all came together. But if you start saying, you got to believe just like this, it's going to be very difficult for us to be able to continue to walk when you push us out. We didn't walk. We didn't leave. You told us we had to leave. 
And if that's the case, if that's what you believe, it's okay. I'm going to love you. I'm going to still love you as much as I can. I just want you to, when you tell me to go, I want you to do it with tears in your face. I want you to be brokenhearted. I don't want you clapping and celebrating like I saw last week. Father, I thank you today that we don't be the people like the Pharisees, that you help us to be men and women who rightly divine the truth of God because we don't want to hurt, we want to heal. We want to celebrate the, the grace that you are doing in this world today. And we give you praise and glory for it all right now. Bless us as we get into your into study of the Word of God. Let us be like the Bereans who studied to find out what the preacher preached. Is it true? Help us to be a thinking people who don't just take what somebody says, but actually goes and study ourselves. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey with Christ, we want to celebrate with you. We also have some resources to help you on your journey. To find out more about Peace Baptist Church, head over to our website at thisispeace.org. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Peace.